0: The show you love, with even more local, local news, news and more local talk. talk. The voice of the valley. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5. On air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Here's your host, Mike Douglas.
1: And welcome to the Mike Douglas Show this fine Thursday afternoon on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Mike Douglas here, your Concierge for Conversation is we take a look at the variety, the plethora of subjects and topics that affect you and me right here in the Central Valley of California. Topics ranging from local issues to state issues to national and international issues as well. Our mission here to provide a voice for you to be live and local so that we can discuss these issues Together, in reasonable, rational, and respectful ways. I, I, I've got to say this right up front. I uh, I just saw this being uh, retweeted from uh, Freedom Works and somebody by the name of Adam Brandon, and it shows apparently these uh, new. Apparently, IRS uh, Criminal Investigation Division Agents in Training says uh, IRS, CID, police, and they're wearing their um, bulletproof vests, and they are don't look real impressive to me. I'm just wondering what kind of—I believe there's extensive training normally that's required for— federal agents, whether they're in a law enforcement position, for example, like the postal inspectors. Uh, they are federal law enforcement agents. You think of NCIS, of course, and uh, others as well. It shows, um, I'm not sure that whoever filmed this, if, if they're filming it for or taping it or uh, digitizing it for the, uh, that shows my age, doesn't it, filming it? Uh, they're doing this for the IRS. So this is particularly helpful. Uh, these these recruits don't give me a lot of confidence yet, and uh, if if that's the case, maybe they ought not to be showing them early on in their training. 87,000 of them apparently are, are going to be uh, descending upon the American public under the uh, IRA, the... Uh... <laughs> I I don't know my friends. The, I, I, I'm, just, I'm continually continually amazed at the spin that comes out of Washington DC that that somehow the uh, inflation uh, Recovery Act, the IRA, I always think of uh, the organizations in Ireland, but obviously that's not it. But the IRA is, is really going to accomplish anything, especially when we're looking at 87,000 new IRS agents. And I know uh, Congressman Josh Harder was with us on Tuesday, and he told us that those 87,000, not to worry, that they were going to be assigned mostly to uh, tax returns that hadn't been processed yet. And they were going to help people get their tax returns. Uh, I admire his positivity on that. I just, I doubt it. I don't think that's why most of those 87,000 IRS agents are there in the budget, nor why they're being trained to uh, carry guns. So uh, here we go. And again, I, I don't know if you've seen that or not. If, if you have an opportunity, you might look it up on Twitter. Very interesting. Uh, it's a tweet from someone named Adam Brandon, B-R-A-N-D-O-N. And uh, it shows these, uh, I, I guess, the IRS agents in training. It doesn't instill a lot of confidence. And, and maybe they should have recorded that at a later time when they look a little more proficient uh, in their training. I mean, I, I'm thinking back to my early law enforcement academy time. I'm sure I didn't look really confident In those first days, for one thing, and back then anyway, the DIs, the drill instructors, and the Ramrod, that was the main guy, uh, they they instilled fear in you. I mean, we were were there practically shaking in our boots. My Ramrod was a guy I came to love and appreciate. Uh, He was an African-American deputy with the L.A. County Sheriff's Department. He was about 15 feet tall. Well, it seemed like it at the time. About fifteen feet tall, uh, not an ounce of fat on his body. You know, his muscles. You, when he wore his deputy's shirt, you know, his short sleeve, why his biceps were bulging out of it. He had these steely eyes that could look drill right through you, and he was a scary individual. By the end of the academy, however. I came to appreciate him so much because he did his job. He put the pressure on us, and he let uh, led the other instructors as the main ramrod there. He led them in disciplining us, in forcing us to go beyond where we thought we could go, and turned us into very good police officers and or deputy sheriffs, depending on what agencies they were uh, from, by the end of the academy. And I later worked with him, actually, on uh, the parade route for the Rose Parade when I was later with Pasadena Police Department. And uh, I saw him out there, and we had a great time reminiscing about the academy and how uh, he says, I, I knew, Douglas, that that you would eventually— you would eventually be able to run fast enough to uh, pass the physical training qualification. I was in the turtle club. The the turtle club was the slow guys and gals. And I, I just, I've never been built to run. I think people are built, some of you may be runners, I was never built to run. But anyway, I finally got out of the turtle club just out of sheer determination. And I worked really, really hard because I had a passion to to pass the academy. And I did great on the academics, the physical part I struggled with. I I really had to work hard. And that that's the whole thing about the work ethic today. And I'm I'm thinking about 87,000 IRS agents. What what possesses you to want to be an armed IRS agent? Is is there anyone in our audience who by a show of hands who would ever dream of being, as a career, an armed IRS agent. Just not something, I I think, if maybe if you're good at accounting, you know, maybe. And again, I have to say, those times that I have encountered the IRS over the years, uh, both uh, personally and with nonprofit corporations and with churches and such, I've always had good conversations, always been on the phone, but I've always had good because, and this dates back to the whole issue that I've often talked about of the spiral of aggression. If you encounter people with a high level of, ingre- of, of aggression, there's not a lot of room to play with until something untoward's gonna happen or you're gonna start yelling at each other or the other person is going to be really put off by you and not be helpful. So I'm all for, especially when you call uh, governmental agencies for being calm and collected and nice, and uh, if they're helping you to be complimentary, I think that's good. I'm sure these people take a lot of heat, and uh, some of it may be uh, well-deserved. So I always believe in in, uh, starting out with the least- least amount of aggression as possible. And that's why I don't discuss things on social media, be it on email or Twitter or Facebook. That's about the extent of my social media because it turns it turns nasty almost right away. It turns into cancel culture right away. And when you can't see the individual, you can't read the body language, you really can't read their temperature, so to speak. And that's why I, <clears throat> I don't do that. I don't do debates on social media or electronic media. That, I reserve our conversations for here. And uh, so some of you may wonder, why, why don't you respond and, and debate me on email or online? Or how come I can't contact you on Facebook, Messenger, because I do my best to stay off of those platforms if at all possible. This is our platform together. And uh, so anyway, I, j- just a, a word of wisdom there. Again, I'm looking at these pictures of these IRS agents-to-be, and I don't think they're doing them any favor by publicizing and, and putting these uh, training videos online right now for the general public. I, I think maybe that was a, a bad thought. It appears they knew that they were being recorded. Just looking at them just doesn't instill a lot of confidence. But uh, but we'll see. I'll tell you who does instill a lot of confidence in my mind when it comes to real estate, because I need help when it comes to real estate. I need not be left to my own devices. Dan Phipps is the guy I depend on. Rising interest rates right now, they're slowing home price growth, but you can still get top dollar for your home Right now, with my friend Dan Phipps. Maybe you want to move closer to work, but don't think you can afford it. Well, then, call the agent I trust and recommend Dan Phipps. Dan guarantees multiple offers in 72 hours for full market value, or he'll sell it for free. He'll maximize your sales price, putting you in complete control, even uh, helping you find a new home before you move. Now, Carrie in Oakdale was moving out of state for a job needed to sell quickly to avoid two mortgages for goodness sakes dan handled everything while she was away from staging to open houses and dan sold it in a few days for almost fifty thousand dollars more than expected carrie says dan's the man i agree dan is the man so call him call dan phipps dan is the man i recommend and he guarantees multiple offers in 72 hours or it's sold free Call Dan Phipps, 209-593-1111, or go to danphipps.com. That's Dan Phipps with three Ps, dot com. A lot of news nationally happening with that warrant uh, and the affidavit attached to it that was served in uh, Mar-a-Lago, and we'll also take a look later on today at the CDC and how they're looking to uh, change their structure a bit and do a better job. Take a look at that and more coming up in three minutes here on The Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV.
0: A pastor with passion, a minister with manners. Now back to The Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV.
1: And welcome back to The Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV, where we are in countdown mode. There are 82 days left until the midterm elections on November 8th. And again, uh, one of the great reasons we're here is to supply you with as much information as we can so that you can make informed, well-read, well-researched, and well-mulled over decisions when you go to the ballot box. Of course, we don't do that anymore, do we? or when you mail in your mail-in ballot come November 8. So we have 82 days, 1,968 hours, 118,080 minutes, and 7,084,800 seconds until November 8. And again, I do believe this is going to be not, not a tipping point. It's going to be a milestone. It will, it will either be we will continue to careen, careen into uh, um, a socialistic, Marxist culture and society, or we may have the opportunity to have uh, cooler heads prevail and some opposition to that. Now, that, that does mean that if Republicans do get elected in some critical states— that they, they need to step up to the plate and do what's right, and not become part of the re, the old Republican establishment where power and money and payoffs and control are are what are important, or the uh, the earmarks to bills, the pork barrel bill. I'm I'm so discouraged. By the fact that so many people over so many years seem to have had a lot of potential, and then they get to Washington, D.C., or they get into uh, Sacramento on both sides of the aisle, and they succumb <clears throat> to the power, the intoxication, the uh, intoxication that power and, and prestige and uh, the, the campaign contributions bring. And so to me, it's not a Republican-Democrat issue, really. It's a matter of, will people who are dedicated to preserving the tenets of the U.S. Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and the, um, the, the foundations of the founding of our country. Does the Declaration of Independence mean anything to our politicians anymore? And I think we're going to find out on the midterms And I hear in the past, oh, it's going to be a red wave. Well, I I don't have a lot of confidence in a red wave. What I want are people with integrity, people with honesty, and people with a proven track record of supporting the constitutional principles that we have grown up with and have the ability to take the slings and arrows from the opposition and maybe... From their own party for standing up for what's right. To elevate principle over politics, as Alan Dershowitz, the great uh, Harvard professor of law, has recently said to elevate principle over politics. How many politicians can you count right who would come to your mind immediately? And there are some that come to my mind, but. In general, how many politicians would you immediately name that you would say, wow, when I think of his or her name, I think of honesty, I think of integrity, I think of a, a marriage to the Constitution, so to speak. I don't know. I'm, <clears throat> I'm afraid, I fear, that uh, they may be coming a, uh, a very lost generation, so to speak. Is very interesting, Senate Minority Leader uh, Mitch McConnell. And I don't have, frankly, a lot of confidence in Mitch McConnell. I- I'm sorry. Anyway, he, is, uh, he was speaking in Florence, Kentucky recently, and he says uh, there's a great likelihood Republicans will take control of the House of Representatives. But he said the Senate races, maybe not. He said their statewide and candidate quality has a lot to do with the outcome. Well, is that, is that a special thing? Should, shouldn't that be the norm, that candidate quality has a lot to do with the outcome? So he predicted the Senate is going to continue to be tightly divided regardless of which party ends up in control. Well, I, I believe that. In reference to that, I've been watching the race uh, towards November 8 between uh, uh, Don Fetterman— in Pennsylvania and uh, Dr. Muhammad Oz. It's very interesting. Dr. Oz, if if he wants to and Don Fitterman not Im, not impressive. Not impressive at all. And I I understand he's had a stroke, but he's he's running for a a senate seat. And if you had a stroke and that affects your thinking and it affects the way that that you communicate, you ought not to be in the Senate, in my opinion. I don't care what party you're representing. Dr. Oz, though, slipping in the polls, apparently. Uh, Right now, uh, one updated poll has uh, Don Fetterman at about almost 50 percent. Dr. Oz down at about 30, well, let's call it 38 percent, and... the the gap is widening. And so I'm I'm not sure. They had a little uh, dust up, apparently, recently, where uh, Dr. Oz accused Fetterman of uh, basically uh, playing off his parents' money until he was 50 years old. And then Fetterman uh, said, well, you don't have just two houses. It looks like you own 10 houses. This is not, on both sides of the aisle here, this is not what we want to know. Now, I know we're not in Pennsylvania, but let's think about candidates here. Is that what you want Senate candidates debating over? Well, you were, you were mooching off your parents until age 50. Well, you've got 10 homes, and you say you only own two. What about the issues? What about the eight and a half percent inflation rate? Ought that not to be the issue? I I do not understand Dr. Oz and whoever's advising him. I, I just does he want to win this, or is this a lark? I don't know. I'm I'm not confident that that he's serious about it. I I hear him say some right things. But Don Fetterman is he he's just out there bumbling along and seems to be the the favorite thus far and And maybe instead of debating over who mooched off their parents for too long or who has actually ten homes versus two homes. What about the subjects that are facing us today? What about the inflation rate? What about the border? Isn't that, aren't those the issues they ought to be talking about? We'll talk about it in five minutes. Mike Douglas Show coming up on Power Talk 1360 KFIV.
0: The Mike Douglas Show. Now, weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. He's got issues. Let's talk about it. The Mike Douglas Show on air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV.
1: And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Mike Douglas here, your concierge for conversation. Uh, we were talking a little bit earlier. I was watching this video of uh, apparently IRS trainees. Uh, holding their guns, apparently learning how to approach suspects, and they have on their bulletproof vests. And I was wondering, is that are these part of or all the uh, eighty seven thousand IRS agents that are coming out of the uh, the new IRA bill? I uh, well, what one of our listeners, our our good friend. Retired FBI agent Bob sent me uh, some information. I can't get the exact link up here. However, there is a Treasury Inspector General for Tax Administration. Treasury Inspector General for Tax Administration. And so there is an Office of Investigations attached to the IRS, And it says, the Treasury Inspector General for Tax Administration, the TIGTA, government always has an acronym, the TIGTA, was established under the IRS uh, Restructuring and Reform Act of 1998 to provide independent oversight of IRS activities. And it's the predecessor, or it it is the... uh, Uh, the the grandchild, I suppose you could say, of uh, its predecessor, the IRS Inspection Service. And uh, that was uh, created in 1951 in response to allegations of widespread corruption in the IRS. Wow, was there widespread corruption in the IRS back in the 50s and 60s? So anyway, Congress gave the IRS Inspection Service and the IRS Criminal Investigation Statutory Law Enforcement Authority, including the authority to execute and serve search and arrest warrants. Hmm. Serve subpoenas. Hmm. And summonses. Mm-hmm. And to make arrests. hmm Without warrant for any offense against the United States relating to the Internal Revenue Act laws. Wow. So uh, scanning down here a little bit, under investigative jurisdiction, again, this is the Treasury Inspector General for Tax Administration. This is a law enforcement arm that apparently is designed to protect the IRS and deal with corruption in the IRS. Anyway, here's uh, under investigative jurisdiction, It says the TIGTA's Office of Investigations, OI, I'm telling you, everything in government has to have an acronym. TIGTA's OI has the unique responsibility to conduct investigations that proactively and reactively protect the Treasury's ability to collect revenue. TIGTA OI conducts investigative programs that, colon, And here are the bullet points. Protect IRS employees from external threats. Protect the integrity of the IRS. Detect and prevent fraud and abuse. And investigate allegations of IRS employee misconduct. All right, so from this, I'm questioning uh, are... are these eighty seven thousand new IRS agents are, are they part of this TIGTA, the Treasury Inspector General for Tax Administration? If they are, then doesn't sound like they're going to be helping people with unprocessed tax returns to help them get their federal money back. No. It looks like they are the law enforcement agency uh, for the IRS. And uh, I I, now have more questions. Do you have more questions about this? I Check it out if you want to. And I, I'll just give this to you very quickly if you're interested. I'm very interested. I'm going to pursue this. Uh, the website, treasury.gov backslash t i g t a backslash oi dot s h t m l that was great mike didn't copy that i'm driving how in the world do you expect me to get it well if you email me i'll send you the website how about that Mike on 1360 at gmail.com. Mike on 1360 at gmail.com. Again, uh, this is the Treasury Inspector General for Tax Administration. It appears to be a law enforcement arm that was created in order to pro- not only protect the IRS, but also to, de- to uh, detect and prevent fraud and abuse not only amongst the public relating to taxes, but apparently within the IRS itself. Very interesting. We'll pursue this, and I will keep you updated on our findings. Again, I'm watching this video with these uh, fairly uh, young folk with their guns drawn and their their snappy new IRS bulletproof vests uh, appear to be going through training, and uh, that makes me very uncomfortable. Uh, especially as we think about the recent FBI raid on Mar-a-Lago. Wow, if they can do that to the former president of the United States and a possible candidate for 2024, imagine what 87,000 extra IRS agents, if they're part of the TICTA, may be doing when they're let loose upon the public when they are finished with their training. We'll keep an eye on it. We'll keep researching, and uh, I will keep you updated as uh, as we go along. Again, just a reminder, 82 days until November 8. All of this, I hope, that you're filing away and you make your decisions in 82 days based upon the information that you gather from here and elsewhere. Other big news of the day, of course, uh, U.S. Magistrate Judge Bruce Reinhart has ordered the Justice Department to redact the affidavit that was used to obtain the FBI's search warrant for that raid on former President Trump's Mar-a-Lago home. And uh, apparently, uh, Judge Bruce feels that we should release at least a portion of that affidavit. Uh, He said uh, that the entire affidavit should not be kept under seal despite the Justice Department's argument that the release would jeopardize future steps in the investigation and provide a roadmap for the probe. Reinhardt also ordered that some documents, and you can see them online, by the way, connected to the search warrant be unsealed today, including the application for the warrant, the motion to seal the affidavit, and the cover sheet. But the affidavit, that's the key to a lot of this, to understanding what's really going on. And so... Uh, The judge, uh, the magistrate judge, uh, Bruce Reinhardt, has ordered that government federal prosecutors submit a version of the affidavit with proposed redactions within the week. You know what that means. When you look at it, a whole bunch of words are blacked out. I suspect, I don't know, I'm just suspecting that what they'll get back are paragraphs that are redacted, perhaps. So the judge gave them a deadline, Uh, of August 25 at noon, at high noon, to bring back the federal government's proposal for the redacted affidavit. The judge will then review those redactions and he'll decide how to best proceed, whether to accept the recommendations or do his own redactions, perhaps. Uh, Government uh, prosecutor Jay Bratt said that unsealing the affidavit would provide a a roadmap of ongoing investigation still in its early stages. He also said the country is in a volatile state and warned that releasing the names of witnesses or FBI agents would chill other witnesses who may still come forward. Well, I don't know at this point that we need the names. We just need to know what's going on. We need to know some of the facts surrounding this. So Mr. Bratt says that... (laughs) The, this is not a precedent we want to set, Brat said. The government is very concerned about the safety of witnesses in this case. Well, what about being concerned about the American people who are wondering, why are you allowed to do this to a former president of the United States and a, a candidate for possible candidate for pre- the presidency in 2024? So let's see. Trump spokesman Taylor Budowich said President Trump has made clear his view that the American people should be permitted to see the unredacted affidavit related to the raid and the break-in of his home, Mar-a-Lago. Uh, he said, Today, Magistrate Judge Reinhardt rejected the DOJ's cynical attempt to hide the whole affidavit from Americans. No redaction should be necessary, and the whole affidavit should be released, given the Democrats' penchant for using redactions to hide government corruption, just as they did with the Russia hoax. So, my question to you is, and again, we have a little bit of time here. This will, well, not too distant future, August 25th. What do you think the federal government will come back with? Do you think it'll be an affidavit that really tells us something? Or do you think all we'll see is... A lot of words that are blacked out and paragraphs blacked out. What do you what do you think we'll get? Our number here, 209-551-3483. Are you curious about what's in the affidavit? I am. I mean, if there's something there that says that Donald Trump is is a is a crook and uh, he there's evidence there that he needs to be prosecuted, then we need to see that. But if there's nothing there that suggests that he's a crook and needs to be prosecuted we need to see that as well and what do you think we'll get back with this redacted document from the government our number 209-551-3483 will continue with the mike douglas show on this thursday afternoon in three minutes right here on power talk 1360 kfiv
0: with the big news of the day, here's more of The Mike Douglas Show. Now, weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV.
1: And welcome back to The Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV on this wonderful Thursday afternoon. I thank you so much for joining us here as we are live and local to provide you with a voice to uh, voice your concerns, your opinions about the issues of the day that affect you and me right here in the central valley of california uh, another note on this uh, judge reinhart a uh, decision today that uh, he has ordered the federal government to provide a uh, a draft i guess a draft version of the affidavit that drove the the warrant that was served at maralago and uh this uh Jay Bratt, he's also, a, one, one story says he's a prosecutor, another says he's United States counterintelligence chief. So I'll, I'll say maybe he's a prosecutor, maybe U.S. counterintelligence chief. Anyway, his name is Jay Bratt, and he told Judge uh, Reinhart today, quote, amateur sleuths on the Internet, end quote, could discover personal information about witnesses. Now you think of all the leaks that have occurred over the years and the doxing that has occurred and and how uh, how locations and addresses of Supreme Court justices have been uh put out there and and somehow this this doesn't um ring true to me or ring honest either. Anyway, Brad also argued that the Affidavit has, quote, substantial grand jury, end quote, information. So the judge said, okay, okay, file the redacted affidavit by next Thursday, and we'll take a look at it. So, uh, so there we go. We're thinking about security issues. I don't know that we need to know the names of, of witnesses, but we should know. And that this is the former president of the United States, and you think of the selective enforcement that's been going on for so long now. What about Hillary Clinton and, and all the secret files that she had on her personal computer? Nothing ever came of that. Her home wasn't raided. And, and yet you look at uh, Roger Stone being awakened in the wee hours of the morning Uh, by uh, armed FBI agents, a whole host of them. And I think there were also some amphibious people as well on that one. Or Peter Navarro. I think he was arrested at the airport. It's just, again, it's selective enforcement that bothers me. Now, if, if the law was being applied at the same level to the same issues across the board, I wouldn't have as much angst about this. But it's not it's not and that is clear that is provable that's beyond debate at uh, at this point so we'll keep an eye on it we'll see what happens with great interest uh, next thursday we'll uh, we'd we'll be very interested to see what comes of uh, that affidavit speaking of security issues just saw this uh, pop up apple apparently has said that it has serious security vulnerabilities for iPhones, iPads, and Macs. And so we're all urged, those of us who have these Mac products or Apple products, urged to uh, update our devices. I've already done that on on my Mac computer. I notice here on my iPhone that there's an update pending for iOS 15.6.1 for my particular phone. I, I do always update. And try to stay away the hackers uh, ahead of them rather. And uh, anyway, so if you have an iPhone product or a Mac product, you might want to uh, take some care to make sure you're you're updated uh, as soon as uh, possible. Been thinking about selective enforcement. We've been thinking of late about uh, DAs across the country across California California attorneys general uh, of states across the US and this wonderful uh new idea they have about prison reform and and no bail and and uh, how we ought to treat criminals uh, more nicely and and be be less heavy-handed in terms of their Uh, in terms of their sentences. Well, here we go again. This is Petaluma, Dateline, Petaluma, California. A 61-year-old transient was arrested for the 22nd time in two years. Sergio Perdomo Perez allegedly brandished a knife at firefighters uh, two days ago near Washington and Keller Streets. Now, the firefighters weren't bothering Mr. Perez, they were doing a training exercise. And having been involved in those, they're, they, 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 those are intense. Anyway, apparently he brandished a knife at the firefighters, so police came and they arrested him. And they found a buck knife nearby. Investigators, now here's the deal. Investigators say he was also arrested back in February for allegedly brandishing a knife at a man and his 8-year-old daughter near McDowell Elementary School. And here we go. Authorities say nearly, he's had nearly 24 arrests since 2020. So nearly two dozen arrests in two years. Why is this guy out on the street? Well, we can't be hard on him, Mike. He may have a mental issue. He's brandishing a weapon. Knife violence. Where are the people who are screaming knife violence? And we need to sue knife manufacturers when this occurs. When knives are used to intimidate people or stab people, the knife manufacturers must be held responsible and they should be sued. And we should have red flag laws now for knives. Do you see how ridiculous this all is? I just, but it, but it, it comes back to, we need reform here in the state of California, and and Rob Bonta, my goodness, really needs to go, he really does, and I I am sorry to see that the people of Los Angeles County, uh, apparently, did not have enough gumption to uh, get enough uh, signatures to get the recall of George Goscone on the ballot, I mean, even many of his own prosecutors in his own office thought he ought to be recalled. And I am, are you suspicious that nearly 200,000 signatures were invalidated by the registrar? By the way, the L.A. County registrar said, well, we don't have to let observers in from the uh, committee that was pushing the recall. It would seem to me in today's, <laughs> in today's world that any governmental agency would want to be as open and as transparent as possible. I mean, goodness sakes! Here in Stanislaus County, in the, in the primaries back in June, we we had uh, Ed Parco inside observing at the L.A. at the uh, Stanislaus County Registrar's office, and they've been very transparent, very helpful, very open. I, I would I, it, when when government says no, you can't look here. I, I think government forgets for whom they are working. We, we don't work for you. You work for us. In fact, through our taxes, we pay your salaries. You are responsible to us, the public. We are not responsible to you. All right, we'll continue our, our discussions. want to talk about... Reforms at the uh, Center for Disease Control. We we'll hear some comments from its director coming up in five minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk thirteen sixty KFIV. Again, we're back in five minutes.
0: The show about the issues that are important to you. The Voice of the Valley. The Mike Douglas Show. Now, every weekday from 3 till 5. On air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Here again is your host, Mike Douglas. And
1: welcome to our number two of the Mike Douglas Show here on this Thursday afternoon on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Mike Douglas here, your concierge for conversation How did we get to hour number two already? Today, this is one of those days it just, it has sped by. A lot lot of interesting things to talk about and and look at. By the way, uh, a couple of you have have asked for that link uh, that I mentioned before about the uh, U.S. Treasury Inspector General for Tax Administration, the TIGTA. And that, that really is the law enforcement arm related to the Internal Revenue Service. And again, my question is, are those 87,000 new agents, are, are they special agents that are part of TIGTA, uh, the, the armed force here that uh, investigates the law enforcement division? Or are they mostly, if, if Josh Harder is correct in our interview the other day, 87,000 agents who are just there to basically make sure that your unprocessed claims for refunds uh, get done uh, in a um, in a swift and timely manner. Uh we need to know this. Anyway, the website if you're interested, I'd be happy to email you uh, several of you have asked about that and have emailed me. Happy to provide that to you. Uh if you uh, email me at mikeon1360 at gmail.com, that's mikeon1360 at gmail.com, I will send you the website where you can learn all about the TICTA, the Treasury Inspector General for Tax Administration. Fascinating. really is. And uh, we, need, we need to find out, those, these new 87,000 agents, what exactly are they going to be doing? Are they attached to this law enforcement arm? If they're not, why are they carrying guns? These are questions we need answered. Well, the CDC, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, is apparently doing a reset. Its director, Dr. Rochelle Walensky, said for 75 years, CDC and public health have been preparing for COVID-19, and in our big moment Our performance did not reliably meet expectations. Well, I guess confession is good for the soul. She went on to say, I want us all to do better. And it starts with the CDC leading the way. By the way, they have more than 11,000 staff at the CDC. 11,000. What do they all do? I'd be interested to see all the job descriptions. In a separate interview, Dr. Walensky said, it's not lost on me that we fell short in many ways. Again, talking about the COVID-19 pandemic. She says, we had some pretty public mistakes. Really? And so much of this effort was to hold up the mirror to understand where and how we could do better. Huh. Apparently, she shared a message in a video to staff, and one person who saw it did an interview with Bloomberg. And uh, this is the report. uh, She said, allegedly, in this video, to be frank, we are responsible for some pretty dramatic, pretty public mistakes from testing to data to communications. Wow. Well, if that's the case, I think it would be best maybe to have an independent agency or auditor help do the reset for the CDC, don't you think? If if they made these types of mistakes, then they should have some health, in restructuring, I appreciate the fact that Dr. Walensky is being, I think, transparent here, but I'm I'm dubiously encouraged by the fact that they're doing their own reset. I I think they ought to have some help. Anyway, Dr. Rochelle Walensky, uh, here's some of her statements regarding this reset they're about to engage in.
0: You know, this is hard. We have ever-evolving science with an ever-evolving variant. um, And my job is to provide updated guidance in the context of rapidly rising cases. And that is what we've done. And I'm here to explain it to the American people. And I'm committed to continuing to do so and to continuing to improve.
1: Well, that's wonderful, but how about the damage that was done with inaccurate information or information that wasn't the science or information that was ignored? What about the damage that was done to the country? Uh, how about that? And that wasn't really addressed in her statement. Well, our friend Dr. Marty McCary he has some doubts about the real change that may happen here. Well, look, the public is hungry for an apology and some humility. And But the question is, is this really a communication stunt or is this authentic? The CDC is still pushing boosters for every six-year-old in the United States. They just pushed boosters in babies and toddlers. So if they want to make some real change, they need to show it in their policy. Absolutely. Totally agree with that. And Dr. Ashish Jha, uh, you may be familiar with him. He is the White House Coronavirus Response Coordinator. Uh, He even says, yeah, CDC should have done better. To your broader question, yeah, you know, our government agencies um, weren't designed to manage a once in a century crisis like this. And I think while many of them performed admirably, there is no question in my mind uh, that that these agencies could have done better. I'm going to play that again. The the first part of his statement is very concerning to me. To your broader question, yeah, you know, our government agencies um, weren't designed to manage a -a once-in-a-century crisis like this. They weren't designed to manage a -a once-in-a-century crisis like this? Well, if they weren't designed to manage it, then they shouldn't have been managing it. What's with that? Can you believe that? And so now they're going to let them do more of it? Seriously, you think about the damage that was done to children in schools. You you think about people that were the guy that was arrested off the California coast, right, for, uh, what was he, surfboarding or body surfing or, or something and didn't have a mask, when you think about all the, and here's the word again, I know it's hackneyed, but it's appropriate, the draconian restrictions that were put on us, the the initial statements from uh, the President of the United States, Joe Biden, and from Dr. Anthony Fauci, give us, well, here in California, 15 days, 15 days, and, and we're, we're, we're going to flatten out the curve. It wasn't 15 days. Oh, 100 days. 100 days we're going to deal. It wasn't 100 days. Great damage was done to our economy. Great damage was done to individuals. Great damage was done to children. And even congregations were caught up in this. Here, Here's one. uh th- This congregation basically has, uh, the court has ruled that, what's the name of the church here? Uh, It is Calvary Chapel in San Jose, a Bay Area church. Calvary Chapel was penalized during the COVID pandemic for violating safety measures, and apparently they've won a court case. The church and its pastors were fined in 2020 and 2021, after a Santa Clara County Superior Court judge found they violated state and county limits on indoor public gatherings, well, this week an appeals court reversed the lower court decisions. Santa Clara County, though, is well we we want we want more than two million dollars in penalties for refusal to require face masks, face masks, and follow other health precautions. Do you see? how the the guidance and the uh, role model of the CDC has been so damaging. So my question to you is, now that the CDC is apparently confessing that they acted very poorly and that their policies weren't right, and uh, Dr. Ashi uh Jha, says that, well, you know, our governmental structures, they weren't really set up to handle these types of things. Well, then they shouldn't have handled them. What should be the consequences for the federal government and for state governments and for the CDC? Let's talk about the CDC in particular. All right, so they're going, is the consequence merely, well, we're going to look at new policies and procedures. Well, you have admitted your policies and procedures didn't work in the first place, but you were willing to drag the nation through the keyhole and do a lot of damage. And in my opinion, you were acting outside your scope of practice anyway. So what do you think should happen to the CDC? I'm, I'm thinking there needs to be an independent... Agency that comes in and the CDC needs to be structurally taken apart and rebuilt so that it can appropriately respond to these types of incidents. You don't you don't allow an organization that has messed up to that degree by their own admission perform their own methods of recovery from it to uh, decide how they're going to do things differently obviously their ideas of how to do things were faulty in the first place it's the it's the fruit of the poison tree the poison is in the system it's systemic poisoning and it needs to be rooted out and they need to start all over again with clear parameters about this is what the CDC is about and you do not exceed these parameters However, I doubt that would happen under the current administration because they seem to be bent on facilitating these types of ridiculous policies from the CDC. What do you think? What should happen to the CDC? What should the consequences be? Not what do you think they will do, that's another matter, but in your mind, what should be the consequences for the CDC by its own omission – Having messed up so badly during the COVID 19 pandemic. Our phone number here, 209 551 3483. 209 551 3483. We'll talk about that and more coming up in three minutes here on The Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360
0: KFIV. All Online, take the Mike Douglas Show with you with the iHeartRadio app. Search 1360 KFIV.
1: And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. We're talking about the CDC director uh, Rochelle Walensky telling us that, yep we we messed up. That's uh, that that's the summary of it uh, during the COVID nineteen pandemic. And so her plan is to do some restructuring of the CDC. Anytime that you allow a governmental agency to restructure itself by itself, we're on dangerous territory. It it needs outside assistance and accountability. It needs to be totally in the light. And uh, if, if we want to take her statement as a genuine confession of we messed up, well, that's great. I'll, I'll give her points for that, but not for attempting to do this on her own. It, it's, it's, it's absolutely counterproductive. In what, what business do you allow the business? It's, no, you, you get consultants to come in. If you have a toxic environment, if you have an environment where you are ineffective, you bring outside eyes in, outside consultants in, to help you restructure in a way that will be more productive or more honest, whatever it might be. She said, to be frank, we are responsible for some pretty dramatic, pretty public mistakes from testing to data to communications. Wow. To be frank, this is the director of the CDC, Rochelle Walensky. To be frank, we are responsible for some pretty dramatic, pretty public mistakes from testing to data to communications. So, she says, reportedly, my goal is a new public health action-oriented culture at the CDC that emphasizes accountability, collaboration, and, communication, and timeliness. And she's saying it will help the CDC meet its fullest potential. The planned reset, apparently, according to her, will revamp everything from operations to its culture. And this is what worries me. Moving away, moving away from focusing on academic studies to instead prioritize responding to emergent, emerging emergencies. That's from a report from Bloomberg based upon the testimony of someone who saw a video that was given to staff. Let me read that again. The planned reset will revamp everything from the CDC's operations to its culture. Here we go. Moving away from focusing on academic studies to instead prioritize responding to emerging emergencies. Seems to me we need better focus on academic studies. I, I would think we want to be able to trust the Centers for Disease Control to be doing the scientific work academically to let us know about viruses about about public health risks, the nature of them, how they're spread. They're, they're I, I'm I'm worried about this new de-emphasizing the academic part of the CDC and instead prioritizing response mode. I don't want the CDC in res- there there are other agencies state and local county local county state that do responding and i don't we, fema federal emergency management agency is a response organization i'm worried about the cdc deemphasizing its academic studies, and instead prioritizing now emerging emergencies. The reset, Bloomberg says, comes after widespread criticism of the slow response to the pandemic, along with mixed messaging on masks, mandates, social distancing, and testing. Again, my question is, what should the CDC? What consequences should the CDC have for this mess that they helped create during the pandemic? Should we not? Should we not have them have any consequences? Should there be no consequences? Should Rochelle Walensky remain the director of the CDC, or should we, by our own admission, having performed so poorly during the pandemic? Should we now allow her to personally restructure her own agency? Does any of this make sense to you? Is any of this defying logic in your mind? It's not adding up in mine. This is not how you address a problem like this. So, What do you think? What consequences are there? 209-551-3483, 209 209-551- 551 three, four, eight, three, our number. How about the, the main response, the main mantra from Congress when there is any problem, let's have a hearing. Are are you tired of that? I am so tired of hearings. We're going to have a hearing. Well, good. What good does the hearing do? Well, and we have this other January 6th hearing. Obviously, the CDC doesn't rise to that level of importance, does it? So what do you think we ought to do? What do you think the consequences should be for the CDC? Shouldn't there at least be hearings? Shouldn't Congress at least investigate what happened, find out why it happened, and then have an independent agency or independent body, help the CDC restructure. We'll take your calls. Hang in there, Mark from Modesto. We'll get to you in five minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk thirteen sixty KFIV. Back in five minutes.
0: The Mike Douglas Show now weekdays from three till five on Power Talk thirteen sixty KFIV. Take the Mike Douglas show with you every weekday from three till five. Download the free iHeartRadio app and follow 1360 KFIV.
1: And welcome back to the Mike Douglas show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Our conversation at the moment centering around the CDC, uh, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. And by its own admission, we messed up big time during the pandemic. And we're going to restructure and do better. Do you trust that? What do you think should be the consequences for the CDC after an admittedly bad performance during COVID-19? Let's find out what your thoughts are. 209-551-3483. 209-551-3483. And Mark from Modesto has been patiently waiting. Hi, Mark. Welcome. What are your thoughts?
2: I think that the lack of integrity that they have They have no purpose of leading any business or any type of thing that controls people the way they have. And furthermore, they need to be investigated thoroughly how many of them have stock in big pharma that have been raking in money on our, you know, on a crisis that was obviously a lot of it was inflated. Mm -hmm. I don't know what, uh, you know, their plan is for us, but obviously if that's the best they can do, we could do without them.
1: Yeah, Mark, a very interesting point you bring up about the possible, probable connection between Big Pharma and uh, the CDC. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you think uh, the dollar was driving a lot of those decisions along the way?
2: Absolutely, and nobody seems to mention Fauci. Um, He's, you know, co-conspirator with China, which they claim, but, you know, all the investigations that lead towards that show that he knew about a lot of the stuff and we were funding that center over there where the disease or the virus was actually formed. A little suspicious.
1: Yeah, very, very suspicious. And I think the problem right now is with the uh, administration's majority uh, in the Senate, in the House of Representatives, and of course uh, in the White House. uh, if, If the balance of power does not shift, it's uh, I, I don't know that any of that will ever be uncovered, uh, which I, I again, Mark, I think, which makes November 8 such an important milestone uh, coming up, not just this November in 2022, but of course, 2024 as well. Hey, Mark, great points. Thanks for your call. Really appreciate that. Uh, mark from Modesto pointing out, nah, I, don't, I don't trust the CDC. Uh, to uh, fix itself, so to speak, and making another great point, uh, very suspicious, very suspicious, about uh, Big Pharma, the pharmaceutical companies. How are they tied possibly at the hip invisibly, potentially, with the CDC and with the White House and with Dr. Anthony Fauci? There are so many potential issues here and, and I don't I don't I don't believe that absent a shift in power in Congress that we're we're going to uh, see any honesty. We're not going to see any transparency here at all. Uh, I think uh, how many, how many times of late have we heard of people who've had the shots and the booster shots, et cetera? come down with COVID-19 when the original, at least the intimation was, well, that this will save you from COVID-19. Well, I'll grant that some of the shots may have helped reduce the effects, but now we're seeing suspiciously that there are some studies suggesting that having four or five boosters May actually be detrimental to you, and so I I think issues of natural immunity. Voices like uh, Dr. Marty McCarry, and again, here's let, let me play his comments about this whole issue uh, of late. Well, look, the public is hungry for an apology and some humility. And But the question is, is this really a communication stunt or is this authentic? The CDC is still pushing boosters for every six-year-old in the United States. They just pushed boosters in babies and toddlers. So if they want to make some real change, they need to show it in their policy. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I think right now, especially... <laughs> They're pushing these shots for little kids just makes absolutely no sense. And, and a voice like Dr. Marty McCary, good night, from the School of Epidemiology in, uh, at Yale. He was a brilliant man. He knows of what he speaks. And yet voices like Dr. McC- Dr. Marty McCary, they, they attempted to squelch or they minimized. Or they said we need to cancel those voices. Or, well, they don't have any credibility. Seems to me they ought to be taking his statements and his hypotheses and saying, all right, let's test those out. Let's see. But there doesn't seem to be a willingness to that, to do that because it has to fit the narrative of Dr. Anthony Fauci, the narrative of the White House, and the narrative, uh, narrative of, of Big Pharma as well. Highly, highly suspicious, and uh, I don't know. Does do you think President Biden really understands what's going on here? Whoever the power behind the throne is, I don't think he's processing well. And uh, there are others who feel we think he's processing well, but he's devious. I don't know which one it is, but we're having counterproductive decisions coming out of the White House. And and it's time for a change. It really is. And that at least a step towards that change would be in November of 2022. Again, not too far away, not too far away at all, only 82 days away. 1,968 hours, 118,080 minutes, and 7,084,800 seconds away. I'm making light of that in a way, but we're going to keep doing the countdown because it is so important that we engage our spheres of influence and talk about these things, raise questions, not to beat down the opposition. By the way, in (laughs) in terms of attempting to open the eyes of someone who doesn't think the way you do, trying to beat them down and criticize them and put them down in every way possible, insult them, is not the way to get a hearing. It is to engage. Tell me what you think and why. All right, here's what I think and here's why I think it. So, the cha- By the way, change is tough. Change is tough. Have you, have you tried to initiate change in an organization where the toxicity has seeped down so far that it's almost impossible to create change? There, there's a dynamic where change usually doesn't even occur until the pain of the present exceeds the pain of change. And anytime there's change, change is, is shock. When, when, for example, think of it when your body experiences some kind of a trauma, your body may go into shock. Why? Because the body is saying, warning, 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 we're shutting down systems to avoid any further damage. And that's what happens in the human reaction to change. When something has been that, we've done that, this is the way we've always done it. And when you try to change that, suddenly there's shock, just like a body goes into shock. The system goes into shock, like body trauma. Change is best either in an organizational structure where toxicity, inefficiency, or corruption has seeped into the system. Either you have to just dissolve the system and start all over again, Or, if you think it's salvageable, change has to be done in small, incremental steps. And along the way, you need to try to get ownership of the change from the people involved. That takes a tremendous amount of effort. It takes a tremendous amount of time. And so I'm very skeptical about Dr. Walensky and and her ideas here in terms of trying to fix her own organization. I think she ought to step down. And I think there needs to be an independent agency to come in and maybe completely restructure the CDC. Well, when we come back in three minutes, we'll tell you what Dr. Fauci said about this CDC admission. That's coming up in three minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV.
0: You're listening to the Mike Douglas Show, the voice of the Valley, Power Talk 1360
1: KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show we're here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Well, let's see. What does Dr. Anthony Fauci think about this proposal or this admission by Dr. Rochelle Walensky, director of the CDC, that we really messed up during the pandemic, and we're going to do better. We're, we're going to make some changes. Uh, here's uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci uh, talking to uh, MSNBC and Andrea Mitchell. Let's uh, drop in on his conversation.
2: I believe so. And I think they should be commended in the fact, uh, particularly Dr. Walensky, realizing and recognizing the shortcomings that have been there for quite a long time, long antedating Dr. Walensky's tenure. And I think it was the stress and the challenge of a historic pandemic that brought some of those deficiencies into sharp relief. So I believe we should commend them for realizing that, particularly Dr. Walensky, there are very, very good people at the CDC. There was an issue with the culture of how they approach their responsibility as a public health agency um, that I think has now been recognized. So I'm actually optimistic that given the fact that the problems have now been recognized, that there's a pathway to making a very good organization much better.
1: All right. Uh, One word comes to mind uh, for me as I I listen to Dr. Anthony Fauci. uh, That's the word Teflon. Teflon. Whatever it is, we, now I say we, I say the system. The federal government allows Dr. Fauci to just keep trucking along, so he's he's like Mr. Teflon there. He's he, he he was a participant in bad information being given out to the public, but here he is saying, "I I I think this is really good. I think they've done a good job. I uh, I." He uh it, it was the stress and the challenge of a historic pandemic that brought some of those deficiency into sharp relief. I believe we should commend them for realizing that, including Dr. Walensky. and he's uh he's very optimistic that uh, good good changes are are going to be made. Do, are Are you tired of Anthony fauci? Uh, seriously. I it, It's it's the bureaucracy. And how many times has he contradicted himself? I could do a list. I'm not going to do it at the moment, but you know, you've heard, you've listened. Time and time again, even with masks, he has contradicted himself. And I know there's uh, a friend of mine that said, well, it was, it's just a matter of learning new things and, and learning that what we used to think is no longer the case. Well, that's when you're the federal government and lives are at stake and you're ruining the economy and children are being harmed by it. No, I don't accept that. I, I credit the positivity there. I, I credit the, the grace inherent in that statement I am now beyond trusting Dr. Anthony Fauci at all. Dr. Fauci could tell me that the sky is blue right now, and I'd go out and double-check it. In my opinion, Dr. Walensky needs to be fired. And perhaps the whole CDC needs to be restructured. I think one of the main things that needs to happen is that the, uh, the CDC must, um, uh, its effects, the effects that it has on on the pandemic, the effect that it has had upon America needs to be documented just like an investigation of a crime, not saying they're criminals. I'm just saying the problem is, the problem is that they are allowed to continue and to do damage to the nation and suffer no consequences. So in my opinion, I don't know about you, I think Dr. Wolensky probably a very nice lady. She seems like a nice lady, but it's not about being nice. It's being good at your job because thousands and thousands, if not millions of lives are at stake. And if you have been governing an organization, if you've been the top person at an organization that has caused damage to the nation, that's caused damage to individuals, that has put out conflicting information, that deals with, really, life and death issues, you are not the one to restructure it. I'm I think she voluntarily, for the good of the CDC and for the good of the nation, needs to step down. What do you think? Should, should we begin the change of the CDC by Dr. Walensky stepping down? Do the honorable thing and say, I, I feel it's best to pass the baton and to allow outside agencies to come in and deal with these issues. Thank you for the opportunity to serve. She can do it with grace. She can exit well and with some dignity. Do you think she would? Do you think she'll be asked to? Our number here, 209-551-3483, 209-551-3483. Well, we'll see what happens, and it'll be interesting. Has uh, President Biden said anything about this yet? I haven't heard. I may have missed it. But it'll be interesting to hear what he has to say about it if uh, frankly if if he's uh, if he's aware of it all right uh, by the way if uh, if you're venturing over to San Francisco i'm thinking about health threats if you're thinking about traveling to San Francisco in the near future there are welcome ambassadors waiting for you yes San Francisco now has welcome ambassadors on the streets of San Francisco. And one of their goals is to greet you as a visitor and provide any assistance, including answering questions about cable cars or the Golden Gate Bridge. And they're also a visible safety presence because they have bright orange shirts and hats. Uh, That doesn't give... (laughs) Oh, my, that gives me zero sense of safety that someone has a, a bright shirt on. When, when we have people who are being attacked on the streets of San Francisco, I wonder if the ambassadors can tell you how to avoid stepping on dirty hypodermic needles. I wonder if they can tell you what streets to walk on so you don't step in human feces? I'm wondering if uh, someone who is is not in in the right mind comes up and attacks you. Do you think the person will, with the bright shirt will step up and say, Wait a minute, look at my bright shirt? And the the, the attacker will will respond to that? I I guess I give San Francisco a couple of points for being innovative, but to me that doesn't even touch what the issues are in San Francisco. Uh, have, by the way, have any of you been there recently? Have you actually seen any of these uh, ambassadors? I'd be very uh, interested to know if if they're what they're doing and if they're uh, having any effect or not. So a lot for us to follow up on. Again, if you're interested in, in that uh, website we took a look at a little bit earlier about the law enforcement agency that's there to protect the IRS, email me, mikeon1360 at gmail.com, mikeon1360 at gmail.com. I will be happy to send you the link to that. Very, very interesting. And I'll be interested to uh, talk to you tomorrow again, 3 to 5 p.m., here on The Mike Douglas Show on What's on Your Mind Friday, here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV.